Okay, we'd like to welcome you to part one of our weekly Bible study for July 15th, 2007. And uh, today, there was a recent announcement this week regarding Pope Benedict. And uh, where he has basically come out and said that um, the Roman Catholic Church is the only real true church on earth. And all the others are just pretenders and imposters. And we're going to take a really good hard look at this and what look at what the implications are of the statement. This isn't just a, a current event that we're going to talk about and then it's going to have no implications down the road. This particular current event relating to the Bible is going to have very large implications to any Christian's life in the coming years. And we're going to see why that is, because there's been some astounding things, and, and this, most of this information, in fact all of it, is essentially off Cutting Edge uh, website. But what they did is they documented a lot of what went on. And a lot of it is different in various news sources that have been reporting on this. We're also going to talk about the Inquisition today, the Catholic Inquisition, and how they're because of certain things that have been implemented recently with Pope Benedict that it's almost as though they're trying to grease the machinery of the, of the Inquisition today as far as a modern day Inquisition they're trying to ramp up for that very same thing coming the Catholic Church hasn't changed they can say all they want that they're this or they're that or a leopard doesn't change his spots and they're just as evil as they were back in the Inquisition. They just haven't had the ability to implement that type of mass torture on a worldwide scale. But I believe the day and time, you know, we're going to be coming back to that. And we're going to look to see how that scenario is going to play out. So this article starts out by saying, Roman Catholic Pope Benedict bared his Inquisition teeth in just three shocking ways last week. Now, he is Benedict XVI. It says, if the world stands at the brink of World War III, which is planned to produce the Antichrist, we should not be too surprised to learn that the future false prophet is finally ready to show his true colors to the world. Well, you figured this was going to have to happen. I mean, you know, the Catholic Church is the most, as far as I'm concerned, the most evil cult on the planet. And I mean that in every sense of the word. It is a cult. It has nothing to do with with the uh, with biblical doctrine. They twist the, the the popes come into power and they basically throw whatever interpretation on the word of God that they wanted to have. They make up their own rules as they go, and the rules change as they go. They do not preach a biblical doctrine where you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In their doctrine, it is of works, lest any man should boast. And you're not saved through grace through faith. You're saved through keeping the seven sacraments. You're saved through doing this, that, praying to Mary, praying to this person. You're saved by doing, you know, praying the rosary. All these pagan things that all stem and emanate from pagan practices. Every bit of it. You consume with signs and wonders, like you know the Mary, the the uh, Mary apparitions, and you know the Mother of Medjugorje, and all these the 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 Fatima thing. You're concerned with a lot of things, but. 
But Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after sign. So we have to be really careful if we're, if we're searching after signs and wonders. And this is why you have to be very careful uh, dealing with anything of a Pentecostal nature. Because typically Pentecostals, I know I've been there, I've done it. Typically Pentecostals are seeking after a sign or a wonder. Or, or a word of knowledge from somebody. This, this type of thing. So, moving forward with this, it says, Let us address three events which reveal much about the inner heart of the pontiff. Now, when they say pontiff, that basically means Pope Benedict the Pope. The inner heart of the pontiff and the lateness of the prophetic hour in which the peoples of the world find themselves right now. Pope Benedict XVI declares not only that all Roman Catholic that, that the Roman Catholic Church is the only real church, but that all Protestant churches are not really churches at all. Now, I don't really like that word Protestant, to be quite honest with you, because the Protestants came out of the Catholic Church via Martin Luther. It was called the Protestant Reformation. I don't, I don't even associate myself with that. I don't. Because the true line of Christians actually came up through a separate line. And um, where we talk about the Anabaptists and the Waldensians and these types of people. They were the ones uh, that have been persecuted from pillar to post. Not to say there's others that haven't been persecuted by the Catholics, okay? Because they were slaughtering people of all, you know, some of them probably were involved in the occult. Uh, but I do not associate myself as a pro or, or call myself a Protestant. Why do they call them Protestants? Because they were protesting what the Catholics were, do, were doing. And Martin Luther was the first one. So, the problem is, is when they came out of that, the Protestants, they brought a lot of baggage from Catholicism that they never fully shook loose of. Remember, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So, just a little side note there, and if you need some more information regarding that subject, just email me. My email address is on the website. It's also drjohnson, Dr. Johnson, at the letter I, the letter X, dot netcom, dot com. And uh, I can even get you this information on this, what we're talking about. Now, one of the problems with cutting edge, uh, as far as forwarding information is, they do not like to be have information cut and pasted into email format and, and, and sent out. And it's a subscription-only website. So it's like, I think, 20 or 25 a year. It's well worth it to stay up on these current events. Uh, so if I send out links, most of the time you won't be able to access them if it has to do with a specific news story uh, because um, you have to have a subscription. But I would encourage you to do that because there's a lot of very cutting-edge information off the site. Uh, don't agree with the stance on the King James Bible. And, you know, obviously, you know, we have a different stance there. But as far as the news go that they report on, I believe he's got a very unique perspective. So, Benedict has actually went, this Pope Benedict has actually went so far as to say that Protestants cannot even have their own churches according to the Catholic Church. This is how brazen this man, this devil, is getting. This is from a news brief from The Guardian, which is, a, like I believe, a news publication. It's in London. This was on July 11th. It was entitled, Dismay and Anger, as the Pope declares Protestants cannot have churches. Now, again, this isn't from a Christian source. This is from a secular news source. So you really can't accuse this of, of 
having some type of Christian bias or blowing things out of proportion. This is just a, a secular news reporting on the subject. And they say, quote, out of this article, Protestant churches yesterday reacted with dismay to the new declaration approved by Pope Benedict XVI, insisting they were mere ecclesial communities and their ministers are effect and their ministers effectively phonies with no right to give communion. Do you realize he just called every single whether you call yourself a Protestant or, or a Christian minister or whatever, he called everyone worldwide a phony. Everyone. So if there's any pastors listening to this or anybody, he just called you a phony. He called me a phony. I'm not... But these ministers have no right to give communion. Unbelievable. Their communion is a warped and twisted communion, one of their tenets of actually being perpetually saved. It's one of the works they do less so that they can boast about, oh, I went to communion, I went to confession. See, their communion is, is not the Lord's Supper. Their communion evolves around uh, the Eucharist, which is worshipped as, as what they would term as the wafer god. Now again, this is, this is all stuff that has been... Um, documented and I can get you this information so email me if you have any problems with this you, I don't know sometimes you'll see actually the communion wafer they're what they call the the Eucharist depicted in, um, in like a glass case with a sunburst around it and they actually will parade it around and actually adore it and worship it and these types of things and many times around that little uh, Catholic Communion Hope, she'll see the letters IHS. You know what that stands for? Isis, Horus, and Semiramis. It's kind of like the, big, the pagan trinity. Isis, Horus, and Semiramis. There's so much stuff that goes along on in the Catholic Church that is just pure, total witchcraft. But yet, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They put dark for light and light for dark. That's all they do. That's all this, this, this cult does. They thrive on it. So moving on with this article, it says, The view that Protestants cannot have churches was first set out by Pope De Benedict seven years ago. When, as a cardinal, Joseph Ratzinger, he headed the Vatican Ministry for Doctrine. We're going to talk about this. He wanted this to be seven years ago. Well, now he's been Pope for a little while now, so he finally uh, worked up the moxie to actually make this blasphemous announcement. Then it goes on to say in this article, quote, it is never the... It is nevertheless difficult to see how the title of church could possibly be attributed to Protestant communities, given that they... Now, this is from the Pope, evidently. This is a quote from him. It is nevertheless difficult to see how the title of church could possibly be attributed to the Protestant communities, given that they do not accept the theological notion of the church in the Catholic sense, and that they lack the elements considered to be 
considered essential to the Catholic Church. Who cares what you what you say, Mr. Catholic Church or Mr. Pope Ratzinger, Pope Benedict? Who cares what you say? Because what you say contradicts the Word of God. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. When you become a Catholic, you're totally putting your trust in man and the successor, the successors of, of um, popes and priests and cardinals that have basically established the dogma and the theology of this church because it sure doesn't come from the Bible. Again, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Wolves in sheep's clothing. If it's no marvel that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, it's no marvel that his ministers can transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. They appear as ministers of righteousness, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They're hirelings that have no true love for the sheep. They're the exact type of people that Jesus rebuked and seethed with anger about, essentially. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, who, who were basically the modern-day equivalent, the Catholics, and particularly the Catholic priests, the popes, the cardinals, are the modern-day equivalent of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees should have been doing the right thing. They should have been living by Old Testament doctrine, which was all they had up until that point. They didn't do that. They developed all these systems and laws and things of this thing to, to put burdens on men that no man could bear. And yet, inwardly, they were ravening wolves. Jesus called them white sepulchers full of dead men's bones. A sepulchers or tomb that looks nice. A white sepulchers like a tomb that looks nice on the outside, but inwardly it's dead. This is no different than the Catholic Church. It's a white sepulcher full of dead men's bones. They're trying to pervert the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They preach another gospel. And the Bible says if you preach another gospel, that you are accursed. It says that twice. Let them be accursed, it said. What we're doing today is, is essentially what Romans 16, verse 17 and 18 says. Wherefore I beseech you now, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That's what we're doing, which is biblical. So, they're saying that basically the Pope has come out flat out and said, these Protestant communities basically have no right to exist. They're not real churches. They don't even have any, they don't have the right to give communion. Now, when they give a communion, when they give their, uh, when they worship the way for God during theirs, during this whole Eucharist thing, basically what they're doing is a process called transubstantiation which the priests believe that they have been given the power to actually change the wafer into the actual, the, the wafer and the wine, into the actual and literal, I don't mean figurative, I mean literal body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Literal. Not figuratively. There's a, there's a difference. Big difference. In other words, they have to keep doing this ceremony over and over again in order to atone for their own sins. They have to crucify the Son of God afresh. This is why they always depict Jesus Christ on the cross. 
because they want to just have him on the cross all the time because they have to continually crucify the Son of God afresh as it talks about in Hebrews. It's false religion. Jesus Christ isn't on the cross anymore. He's also not a little baby, which is the other way they, protect, they, they depict him, with Mary. So yes, the priests actually believe they have that power through a, through a process called transubstantiation. There's a book, um, a, a video called Catholicism in Crisis that you could look up. It's very, very good. It's from, and it's an interview by many, many former Catholic nuns and priests who are actually saved now, and they give their testimony. They've actually taken out a Ten Commandment and split one of the Ten Commandments because, see, they, they use idol worship. Well, they've taken that commandment out of the Bible. This is, this, I'm not making this up. Look it up. Or, or, or email me. I'll email this to you. They've taken it out of the Bible and split one of the commandments. So that they still have the Ten Commandments, but they don't have the one in there about idol worship because they couldn't get away with that. They have a multi-million dollar industry in idol worship. Buying their Mary statues or buying St. Jerome or, or St. Paul or whoever they're going to do and then you put them in your house and you pray to them. Which is totally unbiblical. It's not in the Bible anywhere. Or they pray to Mary as co-redemptrix now, basically saying that, you know, we've got to have Mary in order to have salvation. That's totally not in the Bible. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not Mary and Christ Jesus. They've elevated her to a status of goddess and sinless perfection. I had a man tell me the other uh, email me and said, oh no, they do not elevate her to uh, the status of goddess. I can prove it. I can prove it from their, from their actual own writings that they have essentially elevated her to a goddess-like status. Co-redemptrix. It's paganism. It's witchcraft. It's evil. It's of the devil. So, moving further, this says, when the holder of the future false prophet... Now, Cutting Edge believes that the future false prophet is going to be the Pope. I think they make a pretty good case. I'm not going to get super dogmatic about this. I believe that most likely the Antichrist is going to be the Lord Maitreya, the, the UN-sponsored Lord Maitreya. Uh, you know, we just got a thing this morning, I just was shown, was this from 19... What year? Because he says 1977 on it. Lord Maitreya actually, in his, in his ilk, put a, um, an ad, was it in the New York Times? Way back probably at least 20 years ago, because they cite the year 1977 on this. And this was in the New York Times, and he made an announcement, and it says, the world has had enough of hunger and justice war, and the answer to our call for help as the world teacher for all humanity, the Christ is now here. I'm reading this from this actual ad that was given to one of our church members. Uh, this was actually... Um, this was what was actually in the New York Times. And this talks about Lord Maitreya. It says, Who is the Christ? Throughout history, humanity's evolution is guided by a group of enlightened men, the masters of wisdom. Now, I've done a whole teaching on this, actually a couple teachings where we, where we talk about this, and I don't want to get into this really far today, but I believe it's probably going to be him as far as the Antichrist goes. I may be wrong. I don't want to get super dogmatic about these, these types of issues, like who's going to be the false prophet, and who's going to be the... Uh, the uh, Antichrist and these types of things, we can speculate, but again, we do see through a glass darkly. But Cutting Edge is saying, 
from their standpoint, they believe that there's a very, very high likelihood that the Pope will be the future false prophet. I think of all people on the planet, he's the most likely candidate. Okay, I will say that, definitely. It says, when the current holder of the future false prophet office, the Roman Catholic Church states that the Protestant churches have no right to exist because they lack the elements considered essential, that, that stand should shock discerning Christians greatly. You see, right now, the Catholic pontiff lacks the political power to energize his proclamation so that he could shut down all the Protestant churches. See, if he could, he would. Because they did in the Inquisition. They had that power. But they don't have it at this point. So they put on their, their good little face for maybe 100 or 200 years until they can start really, really showing their fangs again. They haven't changed. They're just as demon-possessed as they ever were. But once the Antichrist is on the world scene and the Pope serves him as false prophet, he cites Revelation 13, 11 through 15, he will have the political power at his disposal to shut down Protestant churches all across the globe and do with its adherents what he wishes. Now, what I think is going to happen is these lukewarm apostate churches are going to fall in line. They're, they're, they're going to cow down kowtow to the, to the whole Catholic institution, and they are going to come underneath the Catholics. But there's going to be a certain, obviously a certain um, part of Christianity that will not do that. They won't, they're not going to bow their knee to this. And um, we're going to talk about what his plans are for these people. So that is the power of the future false prophet. And it is the spirit of this proclamation. Since the world seems standing at the cusp of the appearance of Antichrist, it is significant that the Roman Pope would strip away his mask so that all people can see his genuine heart. See, Satan's only going to hide his true colors for so long. Then he's going to start showing who he really is. That's how all people are, really. I mean, people, if you're around them long enough, they're going to show, their, they're, they're going to show who they really are and their true colors. Since, um, oh, okay, so this that was point A we just went over in this article. Now, point B states, Pope Benedict revived the old Trinitridentine Mass in Latin. The Mass which was originally created in 1560. Now, all this relates together. This Mass was originally created in 1516 and was the standard Mass used by all the infamous Inquisition period. The Mass is like their form of a service. Okay? And in this particular phrase that they repeat. So this Mass that, that the Catholics were using during the Inquisition period, where they killed anywhere from 70 to 80 million people, tortured them, killed them, burned them, all in the name of Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church, which is a perversion of God, because Jesus Christ never told anybody to go around killing people to convert them, or if they were a doctrinal heir. This Trinity Mass was created in 1560. It was used all during the Inquisition period. And this is the same period where all these 7 to 80 million people were murdered. Or tortured simply because they would not accept the Catholic salvation by works method. See, they have a salvation by works. It is not of grace. It is of works. And the chief 
pillars of that system were the systems of indulgences and purgatory. Indulgences is basically pay now, sin later. Indulgences, you could actually go in knowing you were going to commit a sin, knowing you are going to rape a little child, and you could go pay, say, okay, listen, I'm going to go rape this little kid. Okay, that's fine. Pay, you know, 50 bucks and you can go do all you want to do. It was that bad. It was that bad. I, I, I picked an extreme example, but they actually did do that at different and various times. I'm not saying that you could go to your normal Catholic church now and do it. There's probably some parts of the world where you could do this in the Catholicism. If they can get away with it, they'll do it. And then, you know, they, they believe that and this whole thing of purgatory, which was this intermediary holding place that you went after you died and um, basically to pay for your own sins. Because even in their system, they realized even if you did all the seven sacraments and all the other things, it still couldn't atone for your sins. They even had the sense to realize that, that people wouldn't buy the fact that you could just be a good Catholic and never have to pay any sin debt afterward. See, Jesus paid it all through His shed blood, through His death, burial, and resurrection. He paid it all. He paid our sin debt. But see, the Catholics can't have that. They have to be able to earn their way to heaven. Which is essentially what all other religions believe as well. The Catholics are just the ones that have perverted the gospel of Christ the most. The Hindus don't try, or the Buddhists or the Taoists don't try to tie Jesus Christ into their religious system. But the Catholics do. And that's why I believe they're much more of an abomination in, in the Lord's eyes than, than just say, let's say, some pagan out there you know, worshipping Mother Gaia. Um, they're all abominations, but the Catholics are trying to incorporate Jesus Christ in with this, and this is what makes it more heinous. That's, that's my personal belief. So, they have, um, they've initiated this Trinity Mass. Pope Benedict. Again, Pope Benedict. Now, Pope Benedict comes out and makes this announcement this week that the Catholic Church is the only one true church. All the others are imposters and pretenders. That none of these other churches have any right to give communion. That they really have no right to exist. Pretty bold statement. I haven't heard anybody say anything like this from the Catholic Church since I've been alive. Now, I, I was only born in 1969, but... That's a pretty bold statement. I don't think that's something that we should take lightly as a Christian. Well, this next article appears in Ynet News. This is uh, it was entitled, Jewish Groups Protest Pope's Decision to Revive the Old Latin Mass. I believe Ynet News is a, is a Jewish news organization. Quote, they're quoting from this article, it says, Pope Benedict XVI on Saturday removed restrictions on celebrating the Old Latin Mass. Reviving a rite, it's basically a witchcraft rite, that was all but swept away by the liberal liberalizing reforms of the Second Vatican Council. The decision of victory for traditional conservative Roman Catholics came over the objections of the liberal-minded Catholics and angered the Jews because the Trinitine Mass contains a prayer for their conversion. The key understanding we need to achieve is exactly what is the Trinitine Mass. Tri I'm sorry, Tridentine. Trident you know, that's funny, it's Trident. Trident is the first word. Trident is um, the thing you always see that the god Poseidon had in his hand. It was a trident, which was a spear with three things coming out. It's very incredibly, um, totally associated with witchcraft, the trident. Whenever you see the trident anywhere, that is a gigantic symbol for witchcraft, for evil. Okay, It's not just some spear. 
is different. But this is called a tridentine mass. Maybe that meant they chewed trident gum when they said the mass. I don't know. Sorry, a little humor there. little humor. Anyway, um, going further, what is this tridentine mass? Let's go ahead and look, what does Wikipedia Online Encyclopedia say? Okay, now there, Wikipedia is, I believe, from what I have read on their site, most of what they put out there is pretty objective. It's basically just presenting the facts. Now, I'm not saying that they're always right. But most of the time I've been up there, what they put out and what they get into seems to be pretty objective. They're just kind of trying to present the facts. Um, so, they, they go on to talk about this. Wikipedia says, the tridentine mass is the common term used to refer to the Roman Rite Mass of the Catholic Church as contained in the successive editions of the Roman Missal promulgated from 1570 to 1962. It is the most distinctive feature is that it is celebrated in Latin and is therefore also referred to as the Latin Mass. Okay, so two facts are critically important in what I just read. Number one, the date when the Tridentine Mass was initiated was 1570. Therefore, the Mass, which was the Mass which the Roman Catholic Church was daily practicing during the horrific Roman Catholic Inquisition. See, it doesn't... You have to just kind of do the math here. If it got initiated in 1570, and the uh, Roman Catholic Inquisition was essentially... Uh, started around that same time period, well then, obviously, that was the Mass that they were saying during the Inquisition. Therefore, the Mass was the Mass which the Roman Catholic Church was daily practicing during the time of the horrific Roman Catholic Inquisition, which lasted approximately from 1550 to 1850. That's a lot of years, like 300 years. Listen to what Wikipedia then says about the Inquisition. Quote, In the 16th century, in the Roman Inquisition, Inquisition, Pope Paul III established a system of tribunals ruled by the supreme sacred congregation of the Roman and Universal Inquisition. It sounds like a lot of the titles that the Masons take on. Oh, Worshipful Master, Most High, or whatever. It sounds like a 33rd degree Masonic title. But there, this office of tribunals that was established during the Inquisition by Pope John Paul III was ruled by, quote, the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Roman and Universal Inquisition. This was the office that basically initiated all of the butchering and slaughtering of millions. This was staffed by cardinals and other officials. And now in 1908, it was changed. This was changed to the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Holy Office. Sounds like it has a little bit nicer veneer because the word Inquisition is not in there anymore. But it was changed. It just—it was just a—it was semantics. It was just a word change. It was all it was. Same thing. Just changed the words to Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Holy Office. Now I'm emphasizing this for a purpose because we're going to get back to this very quickly. Um, and then in 1965, it was changed again to quote the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Holy Office. Which it looks like... Okay, no, hold on, I'm sorry. 
the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Holy Office, which is what it was changed to in 1908, was then changed in 1965 to, quote, Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, which persists down to today. So, all they've done is put a different name on the same office. Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith is what it is known by today. Now, that sounds pretty nice. It has a, kind of a nice veneer to it, a nice, nice sound. But if you knew the history behind it, behind all the millions that they slaughtered, tortured to death, I think you might think a little bit differently. You know what's amazing to me? That this cult is allowed to exist on planet Earth after all of the atrocities that they have committed. I mean, the Nazi regime wasn't permitted to, to, to continue with, for, for their atrocities. The Roman Catholics have, have done way more than the Nazis could ever hope to have done, ever. Now, the Nazis did it in more of maybe a concentrated time frame. But the Roman Catholic Church's atrocities far outweigh any atrocities probably worldwide since Jesus Christ, or actually since they started, which was 318 when Constantine came into power, and that's a whole other subject that we could go into, but the, the, the blood that are on their hands collectively is just, it's staggering. So, this new office is called the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. It's not a new office, it's just the old one repackaged. Now, this is David Bay writing. He says, While I was reading the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I was stuck by the repeated instances in Europe when a large group of Catholic adherents would suddenly become frenzied and start attacking Protestants in very large numbers. These type of attacks occurred repeatedly over a number of centuries in different parts of Europe. Doesn't that kind of strike you as strange? That all of a sudden these people just go nuts? Start killing Protestants? Finally, I explored the possible reasons why Catholic people would turn in an instant from being normal human beings, many of whom were friends with, the, with their neighbors, the Protestants, to being enraged killers. In some of the instances recorded, so many Protestants were murdered so rapidly that their collective blood flowed down the street in emergency water drains like rainwater. After some deliberation and study, I concluded that some form of mind control, I would call it demonic possession, must be at work, that my, my emphasis there, demonic possession. But what kind of mind control would be able to simultaneously afflict so many Catholics living in different areas of time in different geographical locations? Why do Roman Catholics, well then what do Roman Catholics do constantly, every week and sometimes every day? I should say what do good Roman Catholics, because there's such thing as a good Catholic. You could be a bad Catholic if you don't go to, to your priest to get your confessional, and you don't pray your rosary, and you don't do all your seven sacraments. You know, you, you're a bad Catholic then. You know? What a joke. Man-made religion will take more people to hell than any other thing that Satan's ever devised. And Satan devised this. Don't kid yourself. He totally devised the Roman Catholic religion and every other pagan cult worldwide. Every one of them. Satan's behind. He's the master counterfeiter. The master of the feel-good religion. Little dabble do you like bro cream. Bro cream religion. What do these people do? All the time. Well, they attend Mass. And at, the, and at the time of the Inquisition, what Mass was that Mass? It was the one said in Latin. The Tridentine Mass. Oh, wow, is that the one that, 
Carter Ratzinger just uh, initiated again now? He's bringing it back? It's an oldie but a goodie. Let's bring her back. I mean, they wanted to remember the good old days, you know, the Inquisition time from 1550 to 1850 when they killed all those 70 to 80 million people, tortured them barbarically. And yet this cult still exists on this earth today and it hasn't changed. It's just as wicked. And it's fixing to show you how wicked it really is. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we are talking about. Yes, this is the same mass. Can you believe that they that they wouldn't even backpedal and, and ban this mass and say, you know, we're so sorry? You know, why, why would they want to... Because Satan's getting more brazen as the days go by. People don't react. People don't discern. People don't care. They're apathetic. They don't care. So Satan's just going to start implementing his agenda now, more and more and more. Could this mass possess some type of hidden mind control? Or what I would say is invoke particular demons. Because if you're a Catholic, you're essentially either demon-possessed or heavily demon-oppressed. Whether you know it or not. Just get into it with a Catholic sometime and see what happens. See how their demeanor will change if you say anything against... You know, their unholy, ungodly, devil-possessed institution. See what they, how they will, will react when you go or say anything contrary to the false religion they may have invested their whole life in. See those demons come to the surface. Because they'll come. They will come. And they're powerful. Hey, they have the, they, they've had the ability to take millions and millions of people to hell. They had the ability to, to incite enough Catholics to kill people by the millions during the Inquisition. I would say we're dealing with some pretty powerful witchcraft here. This is an entry-level stuff. See, that's what people don't understand. They, you know, they think, well, I'm in, I'm in the Catholic Church, and, and it's not a big deal, and, and, you know, these types of things, and it is a big deal. You're demonically infesting yourself the further you participate in this thing. The more you go to Mass, the more you go through these motions, the more you go through these paganistic rites, the more demon-oppressed or possessed you become. That's just the deal. Whatever, you know, if, if you're reading the Word of God every day, and you're a born-again, spirit-filled type of Christian, and you're reading the Word of God, you're living a holy life, you're, you're, you know, you're doing biblically the things that you should be doing... It's almost as though the Bible says, Sanctify me through thy truth, thy word is truth. This is what, what the word sanctify means is to make, be made holy and set apart. This is what you're doing when you read the word of God. When you live holy, when you do these things, you're strengthening the reborn spirit inside you. you this is how you become strong, okay, as a Christian. Whereas if you're a good Catholic and I say that tongue-in-cheek, and you go and you do all these other things, what are you doing? You're sowing into this evil, corrupt, demonically infested system, and you're giving these devils more foothold in your life to further demon-possess and oppress you. And the longer you stay in it, the less likelihood you'll ever find your way out of it. The harder it is for you to get saved. I'm not saying God can't save you. But the longer you stay in it, obviously the less likelihood that's going to happen. 
So this mask, they're bringing back. The same one. Now, former Satanist, Doc Marquis, who was also a personal friend of mine, I've actually talked to this man on the phone, he was a generational Luciferian, which means he was born into it. He was from a very affluent family, and this is what he was brought up in. Generational Satanism, they, they prefer to call it Luciferianism. Former Satanist Doc Marquis told, told me, he's talking to David Bay here, in no uncertain terms that the Mass, said in Latin, delivers very, very powerful witchcraft. If the Mass is said in any other language, it loses much of its power. Now, it's well known if you study witchcraft and black magic ceremonies, many times what they will do in order to make a mockery of Christ is perform a Catholic-type Mass, but they'll have crosses that they're like upside down that they'll break. They'll have communion hosts that they defecate and urinate on, these types of things. And I'm not making this up. This is what they do. Anything that they can do to try to produce a mockery of Christ. And they'll actually... Many, many times what they'll actually have to do is recruit some type of Gnostic Catholic priest in order to perform the ceremony. Because they're actually trained in these types of things. There's been people like Bill Schneblin who, who went through all these different degrees. He was, you know, into the Masons and into Satanism and all these other things. He got to a point in his occult career where they told him that you need to become a Gnostic Catholic priest because of the particular path that he was going down. And he did. He became a Gnostic Catholic priest. Gnostic would be mean more like the pursuit of hidden knowledge. But there is no contradiction between Catholicism and witchcraft. There's no contradiction between Catholicism and voodoo. Go down to Haiti. I did some research on Haiti, and I've had several patients that were Haitians, and 99% of the people in Haiti practice voodoo. Now this is according to their own statistics. But 95% of them practice Catholicism as well. What does that tell you? Well, that tells you that, that of the 90, 99% that are practicing voodoo, 95% of them also are practicing Catholicism because there's no contraindication. There's, there's, there's no contradiction within this. Catholicism is a perfect complement to voodoo because you have your idols, you have your, your chants, you have your masses, you have your many, many similar, various similar things are just incorporated into the voodoo. Now, Doc Marquis also said that the hidden mind control triggers are contained within this mass. These triggers could then be activated at the will of the demonic spirits that infiltrate and infuse Roman Catholicism and its adherents. Now, oh, now you're getting way off in left field. You're starting to talk about demon possession. Well, doesn't the Bible say that we battle not against flesh and blood? but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, these types of things? Isn't that where the real battle actually is? And don't you think if, if, you know, if you were Satan, wouldn't you try to get our emphasis off that particular battle, the spiritual part, and on to just the physical? Look at the man. He's a bad person. What about the demons and the fallen angels and these types of things that are influencing this man to do what he does? That's where the real battle is. So, you got to understand, this is a total spiritual battle here. Therefore, Pope Benedict XVI has just reactivated the very mass which was used all during the time of the Inquisition. Whereas the Inquisition killed its tens of millions, the future, the future Inquisition will kill billions. The next story speaks to the issue of the Roman Inquisition. Now this is point C. 
And this is from The Guardian, again from London, July 13th. This is entitled, Papal Dungeon Opens to Visitors. Now this is all just happening right now. Maybe the old Pope on a rope knows something that we don't know. And I don't know if I forgot to mention, the Vatican is coming out with a new toiletry line. The inaugural product is going to be the Pope on a rope. Sorry. Okay, I lost control there again. Little humor. Little humor. This is so horrific that I have to interject a little bit of humor. Anyway, and I sure am not going to hold the Catholic Church with any kind of reverence at all. Okay? I, I just refuse. These, there, there's more blood on their hands than any other institution on the face of the planet, essentially. And they need to be called on the carpet. They need to be exposed. There, I mean, the fact that this, that this cult even exists is such an abomination, and I'm sure mostly to, to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. But God did also say in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that He will send the strong delusion and that they will believe a lie. All they that believe that received not the love of the truth. Well, I guarantee you one thing. A Catholic caught in that system is not receiving the love of the truth. They are believing a lie. And they will be damned if they stay in that heresy. I pray to God all their souls be saved if it be possible. I know it's not. Not all of them, because the Bible says, Narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. And I didn't make up the rule book, so if, you, if that upsets you, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. I wish everybody could get saved. I mean, even God said, it's His will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But most of people cannot receive, truly receive, the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've got to earn it some way. They've just got to earn it. It's that pride in them. They just got to earn their way into heaven or nirvana or paradise or whatever they call it. Or they got to martyr themselves like the Islamics do. Or they got to do their, their Hindu prayer wheel or the Buddhist prayer wheel or whatever. They got to go through all the motions and do all the religion every day in order to earn their way to wherever they're trying to go. And all they're doing is earning the way to hell, storing up wrath, making a mockery of Jesus Christ who already paid their sin debt in full, but they don't, they don't choose to receive that. Unfortunately, that's the way it's going to go for most people. Does that mean I think I better? No. I praise God that he saved me because I deserve hell. If the truth be known, I, Scott Johnson, deserve hell. If anybody does. So I'm not trying to hold them to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. And I pray to God they get saved. I pray God do whatever it takes to get them saved. If he has to hang them over hell for an indeterminate amount of time in order to get them saved, praise God, I hope he does it. Because it's better that they get saved and converted in this lifetime through some horrific mean than they burn in hell and then the lake of fire for eternity. There's no comparison. So this article is from the Associated Press out of Rome and it says the dungeon beneath the papal fortress of Castile St. Angelo where the popes of old locked up criminals and enemies will temporarily rarely reopen to the public on Friday after a 10 year closure for restoration work. Through the, through the 26th, August 26th, visitors can take nighttime guided tours of the prison built in the fort cellars of Pope Alexander VI in 1503. So this was right on the cusp, this was built right on the cusp of the start of the Inquisition. Stepping through the darkened cells in the infamous courtroom where death sentences were handed down. Why, why hasn't this place been bulldozed as a cursed, uh, cursed land? <laughs> That's what it should have been done. I mean, this, this land is cursed. You know, who knows how many people were actually slaughtered here? Q 
killed. Sacrifices to Satan as far as he's concerned. Now why would the Vatican spend 10 years and probably a lot of money to resurrect a relic of the infamous Roman Inquisition? Why, again, why would they want to remind themselves of this? Why, don't they have any shame? Why would, he, why would he invoke this Tridentine Mass, knowing this was the same Mass that was... Wouldn't you think they'd want to cover their tracks? Not if they're getting ready to spring something on everybody. Not if they're getting ready to show their fangs, which is what they're getting ready to do. During the time of the Inquisition, it was common knowledge amongst the people that the Popes had the best torturers. Therefore, whenever a prisoner cannot be broken by a king's torturer, that king could then request that the Pope would send his torturer to break the poor man. There was different levels of torturers, and they were adept at how they did this. This is what we're going to talk about a lot today. Because I think all of this should be brought out in the open. I think everybody should know this worldwide. I, I really, I so detest this, this cult. It is such an abomination from the pit of hell in the sight of God. It is such a stench in God's nostrils. I just pray to God that it be exposed from to the four corners of the world, that everyone know this information in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth shall make you free. You know, if the Catholics could finally could finally maybe get a grip on some of this, they could, you know, have some hope of coming out of that institution. But they're brainwashed. And they're demonically brainwashed. So, one more fact is important in this story. During the time of the Inquisition, all the dungeons and prisons served the requirements of the Inquisition. What was the name of the office of the Inquisition? This is important. What was the name of the office of the Inquisition when they killed all these people? Now, this would be like a... Like in the government, this would be a particular part of our government that's in control of a particular thing. Like Homeland Security, or... Uh, the Department of Defense or Health and Human Services. This was their office for, this was their department for the Inquisition that had to do with all the people being slaughtered, totally unbiblically. What was the name of this office? We already read the name of the office from Wikipedia. The name was the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Roman and Universal Inquisition which has been changed to modern day terms to the title of Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. Are you aware that Pope Benedict XVI was Cardinal Ratzinger? Was Cardinal Ratzinger when Pope John Paul II appointed... Oh, let me read this again. I want to read this the right way. Are you aware that Pope Benedict XVI was... Cardinal Ratzinger, whom, see, he changed, when you become a Pope, they change your name. Okay? So, Pope Benedict XVI was Cardinal Ratzinger, who was the same Cardinal that Pope John Paul appointed as the new director of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. This office of the Inquisition has been closed for over a hundred years, but the Pope John Paul II reinstated this bloody institution and appointed Cardinal Ratzinger as its director. Did you know that, Mr. Catholic? Or Mrs. Catholic? Do you understand the implications of this? Pope John Paul II, oh, Mr. The, the Wonderful Pope, the People's Pope, Oh, it, he must have been led of God to do this, evidently. Well, his God, Satan, that he serves, he re 
initiated the doctrine, the congregation for the doctrine of faith, which was a which was the new veneer and the new title for this new office of inquisition. And guess who he put over it? Cardinal Ratzinger. Guess who Cardinal Ratzinger is now? The new pope. Maybe this is why he's starting to really show his fangs. This man is evil. This man is probably so much more evil than John Paul II. It's not even funny. That's pretty heavy duty information we just read. Therefore, these three stories that we just read have all one common factor. They point to the Inquisition. Both to the future Inquisition and the fulfillment of Revelation 13, 11-18 and to the past. In the first story, Pope Benedict XVI stated that the core reason that the office of the future false prophet will close Protestant churches and begin killing its adherents. Okay, the core reason being that they're not Catholics. Okay, in other words, when he said all these other churches are not churches, they don't have any right to do this, they're all, they're all impostors. Okay. Pope Benedict II said that the core reason for them not being true churches is that they're not Catholics. And that, the, uh, and that the office of the future false prophet, which most likely will be this Pope Ratzinger, will close all the Protestant churches when they begin killing its adherents. See, when the Antichrist comes to power, and when the future false prophet, which is most likely going to be the leader of the Catholic Church, whether that's Ratzinger or who else, I don't know, but he's the most likely candidate, obviously. When all this starts going down and happening, he's going to have this unbridled power again that they had during the Inquisition. To go and kill and torture whoever they would want to torture. In the past two stories, the past Inquisition is clearly in view. As the world teeters on the brink of the planned World War III, which will produce the Antichrist, we should not be surprised that the Vatican is steering the Catholic faithful toward the tools of the Inquisition. Let's read some things that the Catholic Church has said about um, the Inquisition. Some quotes. This is a quote from a cardinal named Cardinal Bellarmine, and he says, quote, Experiences teaches that there is no other remedy for the evil but to put heretics or Protestants to death. For the Romish Church proceeded gradually. When they say Romish, they mean Catholic Rome. Proceeded gradually and tried every remedy. At first she merely excommunicated them. Afterwards she added a fine. Then she banished them. And finally she was constrained to put them to death. Oh, that's that's in the Bible. Jesus, I, I, I read that a lot where Jesus says, Thou shalt kill them that do not convert. No, but the, Rome, but the old Catholics, they, they got their, you know, their man-made religion, their man-made demonic religion going. And, uh, you know, they, they were so gracious to us. You know, the Rome, they, they, they tried every remedy. They tried to excommunicate us. They tried to fine us. They, and then they finally banished us. And we wouldn't listen. Now, now they were constrained. They had no choice but to put all the Protestants and whoever else they, they deemed worthy of death, they put them to death. And they didn't just put them to death. They did it in a very, very extremely horrific way. We're going to look at that today. St. Bernard of Clairvoy declared in launching the Second Crusade, quote, the Christian glories in the death of the pagan because thereby Christ himself is glorified. Show me that in the Bible anywhere. Thereby Christ himself is glorified? The Lord, I mean, the, the word of God says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. The Christian glories in the death of the 
pagan? Well, who would the pagan be in their eyes? See, they are pagans. And yet they call people that would be Bible-believing Christians pagans. This is how warped. Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. I mean, it, it, it is unbelievable. Um, in 1209, Pope Innocent III launched, launched an armed crusade against the Albigensians, who were one of these the lines that I had mentioned before, like the Waldensians and the Albigensians and these types of people, the Anabaptists. Um, Pope Innocent III launched an army crusade against the Albigensians as heretics in the southern France. Note, the Albigensians were true Bible-believing Christians. When this, the besieged city of Bezerres fell, the soldiers reportedly asked their papal advisor how to, how to distinguish the faithful from the infidel. About 200 of them. Among the captives. He commanded this pope, this wonderful pope, Innocent III. He was definitely innocent. Innocent of nothing, actually. He commanded, quote, Kill them all. God will know his own. End of quote. Well, isn't that Christian? Oh, that's, I mean, that is just so spiritual. You know, he doesn't want to bother even trying to, 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 to weed out the remnant of the Catholics. No, just kill them all. God will know his own. Well, he's right about that. He is right about God will know his own. Nearly 20,000 faithful who were hiding the heretics were slaughtered, blinded, mutilated, dragged behind horses, and used for target practice. All, all done under the guise of Christianity. All under the banner of the Catholic Church. This is just one of the many atrocities perpetuated by the Catholic Church, all justified because the Pope claims to be the Vicar of Christ, which means, Vicar means substitute. Did you know that? Vicar of Christ means substitute Christ. So he is the substitute for Christ on the earth because they don't believe that, you know, they, they believe, you know, Christ is up in heaven and he, and he can't intervene in our affairs, most likely. Well, if he does, we have to go through Mary. And basically that he is Christ on this earth. That's what they believe them to be. This is why they can get away with such murder, literally. Along with the title, he claims to be infallible. Did you know that? Pope's claim to be infallible? And above reproach. So that his authority or command should never be questioned. Remember, absolute power corrupts absolutely. This self-proclaimed unlimited authority that all popes wield is only given by Satan. As nowhere in the, in, in, as nowhere in the true word of God, the King James Bible, is the Catholic religion cult justified or pardoned. This cult has slaughtered an estimated 68 million people, they're listing it from 1200 to 1808, and should be exposed to the fullest extent. These same blasphemous Catholic edicts that were used to slaughter millions are still in place today. You know, we're supposed to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them. That's what we're doing today. We're reproving the works of darkness. Let Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're seeing what Satan's devices are. Now I'm going to go ahead and continue here. This is called the true face of the Roman Catholic Inquisition. The rotten spiritual fruit from the abyss of hell. That's the title of this article from Cutting Edge. Um, I'm just going to go through some of this just to kind of reaffirm what we've already said. This is the subtitle. In a, a particular article that they had um, 
that they had went into. Now, we're going to get into that. Uh, let's just skip ahead a little bit. The Roman Catholic Inquisition was one of the greatest disasters to ever befall mankind. In the name of Jesus Christ, Catholic priests mounted an enormous effort to kill all heretics in Europe and Britain. Heretics were defined whatever way Rome wanted it defined. It ranged from people who disagreed with official policy to black magic practitioners to Jews to witches and to Protestant reformers and to true Bible-believing Christians. Slaughtering one's enemies is clearly rotten spiritual fruit. In other words, the Bible says, By their fruit you shall know them. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance, charity. These are the types of fruit that if the Holy Spirit is living inside you, should be evidenced in your life. So, heretics are defined as whatever they wanted them to be. During the early part of his ministry, Jesus was approached by two of his disciples, James and John, who had just returned from preaching the gospel message throughout parts of Israel. These two disciples were upset for entire towns had refused to hear their message. And then they asked the Lord. Now let's just read this. Okay, so Luke 9.54 says, And when his disciples James and John saw this, and they said, Lord, will thou that we commit... Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did. But he, Jesus Christ, turned and rebuked them, and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. See, did you see how he said, Ye not know what manner of spirit ye are of? Spirit, why? Because it wasn't the Holy Spirit that was inspiring these men to call fire down from heaven to consume these, these people and destroy them. It wasn't that at all. It was another spirit, the same spirit that emanates and operates through the Catholic Church. I'm not saying it was the exact same spirit, but it was a similar spirit. Verse 56 says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went unto another village. Okay, so this is what Jesus Christ said about killing your enemies. Give me a break. So we go a little bit further. Nowhere in Holy Scripture did Jesus ever teach to slaughter anyone who disagreed with him, nor did he ever advocate any of his followers doing the same. Neither does any apostle give this command to the church in the New Testament. Um, it's, it goes on to uh, talk about what Jesus actually did bring, and what the Catholic Church is talking about and what they're imposing is absolutely and totally contradictory to Scripture. Then, in, we go a little bit further, it says, uh, with, in regard to the Catholic churches, and in regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, Our precious Savior never ordered anyone to be slaughtered for any reason, especially for the hardness of their heart against His message. I mean, let's face it, they're going to get their punishment when they die, for eternity. Okay? But we're not supposed to go around killing people or chopping off their heads or burning them at the stakes because they don't agree with the Lord Jesus. What, are we supposed to act like Muslims? Because that's what they're basically commanded to do, to kill the infidel. We're no better than them if we were to do the same thing. But the pagans regularly move to slaughter their opponents, usually with great relish and with hardness of heart. In such slaughters, murder is not enough. Rather, before the victim dies, pagans absolutely relish inflicting maximum pain upon their victims. White and black magic practitioners believe that the pain inflicted before death transfers great occultic power to them. Did you know that? 
the more tor- torture and pain and agony that they can inflict upon a person prior to them being sacrificed, the more demonic power they believe they're invoking and absorbing and vampirizing off. Now, if you're into black magic or if you've ever been to that, you know what I just said is true. Somebody that's never had that background, and I'm not saying I have, but I have studied it, but somebody that doesn't have that background, this might be hard to believe, but that's exactly what they do. Think about it. Satan is the most depraved entity in the universe. And he wants everybody else to be depraved just like he is. And he, if, he, if you give him the opportunity, he's going to take you to the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. Why should this come as any surprise? So by, doing, by, by inflicting this maximum amount of pain and agony prior to the death, it transfers great occult power to the magic practitioner. The witch, the sorcerer, whatever you want to call them. So then they try to draw out a person's death as long as possible, inflicting the greatest amount of pain possible before death comes. Skilled Inquisition executioners would bring a victim to the point of death many times, only to stop the the torture so the victim could revive so they could be tortured again. This is the stinking fruit of the Catholic Church. Therefore, the monstrosity of the Inquisition stands before mankind as the ultimate evidence of an inherent Satanism within the Roman Catholic Church. For those who have the courage to examine the ultimate rotten fruit, they will see the truth of the Catholic Church and do not think Rome has changed. For the Bible tells us that the leopard does not change its spots in Jeremiah 13.23. And Rome is always bragging that she never changes. A concrete proof of the fact is that that Pope Paul VI restored the office of the Inquisition renamed today as the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. We've already talked about that. And we really see where that's going now, don't we? This nefarious office of the Inquisition is now headed by Cardinal Ratzinger. At the time of the writing of this article, he was Cardinal Ratzinger. Now he's the Pope. Huh. So, the most evil part of the Roman Catholic Church, which is the office of Inquisition, just so happens that the same guy that was appointed the head over that is now the Pope. Huh. Wow, that's really interesting. I wonder if that's just a big, fat coincidence. I don't think so. Why would Pope Paul VI reinstate the office of Inquisition unless he knew it would soon be needed again? With all the prophecies of the appearance of Antichrist coming true together, just as Jesus mandated in Matthew 24, 32-34, the time must have been right for Pope Paul VI to reinstate this bloody office. For even though the original Inquisition killed tens of millions of people for 1,200 years, Prophecy tells us that the false prophet will kill billions in the three and a half years. Since the Roman Catholic Pope was chosen as the future false prophet, it makes sense that the Office of Inquisition be reinstated. Now again, this is from Cutting Edge's standpoint. They believe that this man is going to be the future false prophet. I think he's the most likely candidate on the planet Earth myself, personally. Okay, whether it plays out that way, I don't know. Okay, I don't want to be super dogmatic about these, these issues, but I think he's a very high likely candidate. We have struggled with the Inquisition details we have uncovered. 
uh, they, they go on to talk about here that, that they've, they've struggled with these things because the, the, the depictions and the descriptions of things that happened during the Inquisition were so horrific and so, so many times graphic and many times sexually graphic that they were reluctant to put any of this stuff in here. And he goes on to say in reading books from 50 to 150... To 50 to 150 years ago, we see Christian authors struggling with this very question. They decided to sanitize the truth so that no Christian sensibilities are offended. There has to be a fine line here between not setting anything evil before your eyes and fleeing all appearance of evil and also getting the truth. There's got to be some type of balance here. And I think Cutting Edge did a pretty good job of doing this. And I'm just going to really hit the high points here. I'm not going to get into every gory detail. This happened. Okay? There's so much evidence that it happened, it's not even funny. But, we're just going to get into a little bit of that evidence today. And he goes on to say in this article, says, Yet their books hide the true horror of the Roman Catholic Church. These are other Christian authors in the past 150 years that have tried to get into this. And really not wanted to get into the gore details. But what it's done at the same time is hid the true horror of the Roman Catholic Church. In this end, where the Antichrist is apparently near, when the false prophet has been selected, and he is the Pope, and where the liberal Protestant Church is cozying up to that very beast, but has slaughtered up to 75 million um, people, we have concluded that the time has come to take the sensibility blinders off. We will quote Catholic documents just as they were printed so you can see the true face of this beast that slaughtered anywhere from 75 to 100 million people over 1,200 year period. If you think you will be offended, do not read the rest of this article. So in other words, if you think that you're going to be offended, don't listen to the rest of this audio. Okay, I'll just say that. We present to the world a lengthy expose of the true face of the Roman Catholic Church. And their practice of in their occult practice worship under the veneer and the guise of pseudo Christianity. By the end of this article, you will see how it's possible that the current priestly pedophile sex scandals could occur and could be covered up by the church hierarchy. See, they, they have no conscience, they don't care. These this organization is rotten and evil to the core. You will see how the hard heart of a priest, you will see how hard the heart of a priest would have had to have been to threaten his female penitent, his female uh, penitent with the Inquisition if she refused to have sex with him. Truly, such a priest had a conscience seared with a hot iron. He was represented by the majority of the Catholic priests. This first part is the female penitents threatened with Inquisition unless they had sex with the priest. Now he had a whole article, Cutting Edge had a whole article they did on this one particular thing. It's News Article 1675, if you want to do a keyword search. News 1675. It said, in that article we revealed that priests threatened their female penitents in the confessional that unless they would have sex with them, they would turn them into the Inquisition. This office of Inquisition. So effective was the threat that one dying priest revealed in 1710, quote, by these diabolical persuasions, there were many at our command, and I mean many women at our command, without the fear of revealing the secret. In other words, they weren't going to say anything, because if they said anything after they had sex with these priests, the priests would, all they would have to do is say, oh, this, she's a witch, and I'm going to turn them into the Inquisition. Since so few people today have been taught even the rudiments of history, 
or the rudiments of true history, most do not know what the Inquisition really was or truly truly was like. Most people today have no idea of the rampant barbarianism and torture wreaked upon the unfortunate inhabitants of Europe over the 1200 years. Most people have no idea how the entire population was consumed by fear for a knock on the door in the middle of the night meant immediate beginning of the torturous death at the hands of the, of the inquisitors. Accusation equaled guilt then. Therefore, if a priest threatened a woman that he would lie about her to the office of the Holy Inquisition, that's what they call it, the office of Holy Inquisition. What an abomination from the pit of hell. If, if, if he threatened any woman that came to him to lie about her to the office of the Holy Inquisition, she knew the type of torture and death that awaited her. The priest would probably report the woman to the Inquisitors as a witch. As you will see in a few moments, the Inquisitors treated alleged witches with special glee, relish, and attention. In this treatise, we have attempted to walk the fine line between Christian modesty and a fervent desire that you should know the fullness of the truth regarding the Inquisition. Since many of the victims were stripped nude and tortured publicly, or stripped nude and raped privately, we have had to weed out numerous drawings that depicted such nudity. However, we have included a copy of pictures which even though they depict um, partial nudity of one victim, they do it in such a way as not to, to, as not to depict sexual body parts. We hope your sensibilities are not offended if you think they might be stopped reading now. Well, that's what they're saying in this article. Okay. Many of the victims were simply burned at the stake. As you can see here, now this shows this one picture of this guy burning at the stake. Such burnings and it looks like a Christian being burned at the stake. Such burnings were usually carried out in public, so the population would see with their own eyes what happens to anyone who crosses Rome. I'll tell you what. Why would people want to go watch something? Would you want to go watch somebody burned at the stake in front of you? I have no desire in me whatsoever to watch somebody die or be tortured to death. None. I remember a few years ago when that, or I don't know when it was, when that, tape came out on the internet of those guys, supposedly those guys over in Iran or Iraq, and they were chopping this American's head off. I didn't want to see that. I didn't even want to get near that thing. Why do I want to watch some poor guy get his head chopped off? But yet, it was one of the most popular videos on the internet, and all kind of Americans watched it and were like, oh man, that was really heavy duty. Why would you want to set that kind of thing before your eyes? I'm not saying that because I think I'm better, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. I just really fervently don't want to look at something like that. I don't understand what would possess, and I mean that, possess somebody to want to watch somebody being horrifically tortured or killed. Why would you want to do that? That will affect you. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, there was this show called Faces of Death. Now, I was unsaved, undone, living in the world. And I remember, I watched, like, two or three clips in that movie. One of them, I think, was this monkey thing where they were killing this monkey. Another one was this guy that parachuted into an alligator pit in the Everglades, and they were pulling his arms out and stuff. He was already eaten. And I remember how that so horrifically affected me. I mean, I wasn't even saved. And I was like, I was messed up for, like, over a week. And I wasn't even saved. 
And I was like, I had no desire even when I was unsaved to watch that junk. Why would anybody want to watch this? Yet, you know, during the Inquisition, we're coming back to this time. This is going to be a form of entertainment. Like the Romans did in the Colosseum. This is going to be a big thing. This is going to be funny. We're, our deaths, Christians' deaths, are going to be at the expense of other people's entertainment. This is how sick the world is, 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 has been and is going to become very shortly. However, most of the people that were publicly burned were privately tortured. All over Europe, kings and the subjects knew that the Pope's torturers were absolutely the best torturers. They could force confessions through such skilled torture techniques that a king knew he could call upon them if his own men could not get a confession. See, they always had to have some, some unbelievably, horrifically induced confession so that they could justify burning them at the stake. You know, admit you're a witch, admit you're a witch. You know, somebody tortures you long enough, apart from the... Apart from the Holy Spirit living inside you, you're going to confess sooner or later. You're going to tell them what they want to hear. Now they have a right to torture you and kill you. Same stuff goes on today to a, to a much less, to a much milder extent, like in um, people that a lot of times get convicted for a crime. They'll go in there and they're inter to interrogate them for 12 hours, and the guy's innocent, but the guy they threaten him and browbeat him and, 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 and deprive him of sleep so long that he eventually ends up confessing out of fear and out of these other things. Well, this was an extreme example of that. This is carried a lot further. Then, you see, once they got the confession, that provided the thin facade of responsibility. A king could then a king could show a confession from a victim to public to convince them that his torture and death was justified. Secular historian John J. Robinson provides a unique glimpse into this dark, dank world of papal torture and murder in the year 1310, writing in his book, quote, Born in Blood, The Lost Secrets of Masonry, of the Masons, this is the Freemasons, Robinson reveals, quote, two years went by, and the Templars being questioned without torture confessed nothing. So the Templars, when questioned without torture, confessed nothing, constantly reaffirming their innocence. In response to a papal demand that torture be applied, King Edward replied that torture had never played a role in either ecclesiastic or secular jurisprudence in England. So that he didn't even have anyone in the kingdom who knew how to do it. In other words, torture people. Exasperated, Pope Clement V wrote, warning Edward that he must look to the fate of his own soul. Oh yeah, like, like the Roman Catholic Church has anything to do with the fate of anyone so other than taking them to hell. That he must look to the fate of his own soul in thus flouting the direct orders of the Vicar of Christ on earth. You know, may the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on their lying tongues that they be exposed in the name of Jesus Christ that they be exposed for the devils that they are. That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of His doing, and that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in Him, and all the upright in heart would glory. That was from Psalm 64. This Pope went on to say that he would try just one more time giving King... Edward the benefit of the doubt. Oh, thanks, Pope. You're, you're, you're so gracious. You're so, you know, really thanks for the, for the break you're giving me. The Pope was dispatching 
10 skilled torturers to England in charge of two experienced Dominicans, like Dominican priests, or Dominican friars, or whatever they call them. Now, Edward would be out of excuses. In other words, since King Edward couldn't get these confessions from these Templars, the Pope Clement was going to dispatch 10 skilled, highly skilled torturers under, under, the, under these Dominicans, and now he's going to be out of excuses. It says something of the Pope's resolve that he took time out of his holy office on Christmas Eve 1310, his unholy office, to deal with the problem of the captive Templars. His Christmas gift to the people of England was to introduce into their legal system interrogation by torture. This is the end of the quote from that book, page 148. This is from a book called The Magic Obelisks by Peter Tompkins, page 55. Now this is from a pagan source. The pagans are even admitting this. Even though Emperor Constantine began the policy of suppressing all people and doctrine, not in conformity to official dogma, most scholars place the beginning of the official inquisition to Pope Theodore I, who began the practicing practice of dipping his pen into consecrated wine before signing the death warrants of heretics. In the book, Lives of the Popes, we learn that the consecrated wine which Pope Theodore I signed these death warrants was the Eucharistic wine. Now, remember when we talked about the Eucharist before? The Catholic communion host? Okay, well the Eucharistic wine was the wine in the communion host. So, he dipped his pen in this Eucharistic wine to sign the death warrants of these heretics. Isn't that nice? Doesn't that give you a flavor of religiosity? The Inquisition was started in this period and was aimed at the heresies of the black magic practitioners in Europe. In this picture you can see the fear that the early Inquisition generated amongst the general population in villages and cities. Now obviously you can't see these pictures. I can email you a link to this article, but unless you're, you're, um, you've subscribed to Cutting Edge, you won't be able to actually view the pictures. But um, in this picture you can see the fear that the early Inquisition generated amongst the general population in villages and cities. The officers of the Inquisition would march into a town armed with a papal bull that authorized the top leader of the papal forces that have entered the city. The top Vatican... See, this is when religion totally controlled every aspect of society. Military, everything. The papal bull authorized the top leader of the papal forces that have entered the city. The top Vatican official would march to the city square and surrounded by heavily armed soldiers would read the papal declaration. Once the declaration from the Pope was read, the soldiers would begin to arrest the heretics defined as disagreeing with the Church of Rome. Roman dogma was the standard, but not the Holy Bible. Not the pure Holy Bible, in other words. Whatever Rome said went. It didn't matter what the Bible said. Now, this shows a picture. It says, just as pagans have always done throughout every era, the Roman Catholics utilized pain and torture for the sheer panic it spread among the people. See, it was a control device. It wasn't just about torturing a given person. It was about the it was about the rumors and the the um, things that went forth to everyone else that learned about the tortures that put fear in the whole society. And that fear was used to control that whole society. Yes, the priests got a lot of gratification, got a lot of sick, perverted, twisted many times sexual gratification from these tortures. Yes, that was a motivation on their part. But it was also a method of fear that was used to control 
society. This is the fruit of Roman Catholicism. In this picture we're looking at here, uh, that I'm looking at, the Catholic a Catholic bishop is having his eyes poked out for some type of heresy he was accused of for which he would not repent. Shows this guy just putting this big stick in this guy's eye socket. Eye piercing was generally given to a learned person because their livelihood and their passion was of an academic pursuit. After their eyes were put out, they were usually destitute and could no longer influence people with their, quote, heresy any longer. Truly, these terrified villagers discovered firsthand that the yoke of Rome was horrible, heavy to be borne, and terribly oppressive. The white yoke of the Savior seemed a distant memory, lost in the mists of the many centuries, hidden by the veil of the pagan Rome. See, Jesus says, my burden is light, my yoke is light. Rome, Rome's burden is, is anything but light. It's pure Satanism. Here's another picture. Um, once the heretics were arrested and gathered at the site chosen for public executions, sheer hysteria would grip the soldiers of the Vatican as they began their slaughter. Occultists have no difficulty seeing the heavy pervasive influence of demonic spirits sweeping through these soldiers. Once they began to kill, they were suddenly seething with the sheer power of the demons. Same thing happens in every black mass ceremony that, where they actually uh, commit human sacrifice. This was just human sacrifice committed on a mass scale out in public. Things had gotten so evil that it wasn't hidden anymore. This is what we're coming back to. Pastor Richard Wurmbrand, writing of his personal observations during communist slaughters in China and Russia, wrote, quote, Revolutions do not cause love to triumph. Rather, killing becomes a mania. In the Russian and Chinese revolutions, after the communists had murdered tens of millions of innocents, they could not stop murdering and brutally killed one another. Communism is collective demon possession. That was a quote from his book. Now, remember what we said before about this office of Inquisition and now how Pope Benedict has is, 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 once again initiated and instituted the, tri the Tridentine Mass, which was the same Mass that was said every day during this Inquisition when this demonic infestation was the most prevalent, when more people died under the Roman Catholics than any other time. And that maybe this Tridentine Mass invoked some type of mind control that was said in Latin, that then invoked some type of demonic possession to come to the surface that would actually have something to do with the fervor and the madness that happened to these people when they went to kill these people. And now we're back to this again because popes reinitiated it again. Huh? I wonder if I wonder if we're maybe we're going back into this time again. We're coming back to it. Roman Catholic Church hasn't changed its spots. It's been waiting for this moment for a long time to get back to this point. That they can purge the earth of, of the undesirables and the heretics. Now, I should say at this point, I believe this is why the Bible says why Jesus said in the New Testament, Pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth. He said that you're supposed to pray for that. Pray that you be kind of worthy to escape all the things that are coming on this earth. I think it's something we should be doing. 
the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple passed on and are punished. Now we also have to temper that with the verse, he that seeks to save his life shall lose it, but he that seeks to lose his life for my sake, meaning Jesus' sake, shall find it unto life eternal. But that's more in reference to like the rich man and these types of people that will not give up their rich lifestyles or they won't give up the world or they won't give up this or that for Jesus. That's more in reference to that. So I think as Christians it should be something we, we should be praying for for you know the lives of Christians, the, the body of Christ, our families and ourselves. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I'd be a fool to say, yeah, I want to go through this. And anybody would be. Black magic practitioners will tell you that the entire 1200 year period of the Inquisition represented the height of demonic infestation in all European history. The Holy, the Holy Inquisition, I, I, I guess it angers me so bad much when I see them putting Christian words and associating Christian words with this type of abomination. It, it, it's, it's just incomprehensible. The Holy Inquisition was collective demon possession, as you shall see after examining the Catholic document which undergirded the entire 1200 years of murder. The death toll was immeasurable. Quote, and so was... Now, what, this is a quote from this book that this Tompkins man wrote, page 58. And so was inflicted on the south of France one of the most ferocious massacres in history. Bands of northern brigades pillaged and plundered in the cathedral of St. Nazarene. 12,000 heretics were burned. Those who tried to flee were cut down and butchered. Thousands more were burned at the stake. At Toulouse, Bishop Foley put to death 10,000 people accused of heresy. At Belzeers, the entire population of more than 20,000 was slaughtered. The entire population! At Situ, when asked how to distinguish Catholics from Caterus, the Abbey replied, his feigned cynicism. Kill them all, God will know his own. We already talked about that. It is no secret why the soldiers of the Inquisition chose burning to the stake as one of their favorite methods of execution. Satan literally, literally trembles with fear at the thought of his ultimate home, the lake of fire, and all his devils. During this time he loves to burn as many people as he can at the stake. He truly loved burning Protestants at the stake for this very reason, because he knows that's where his true home is going to be. And then, it, then it goes on to say, After the slaughtering had begun, the Vatican decided the effort was so worthwhile that it needed to be systematic, not dependent totally upon the local Catholic leaders. At this time, the Office of Inquisition was established, which is the same thing that Cardinal, or Pope uh, Ratzinger, or Pope whatever is Benedict now, is over. He's over the Office of Inquisition. But, this, but during the early emphases of this, the Office of Inquisition was actually established. Not only did this office provide central leadership to the slaughter, it was able to use the resources of the Catholic Church to better train executioners, and most importantly of all, to train carefully chosen sadistic men how to be the best torturers in the world. you gotta, you got to believe that these torturers were some really sick, twisted, sadistic, demon-possessed to the toenails people, and yet they worked under the this what they called to themselves the Holy the office of the Holy Inquisition, the Holy Catholic Church. What a mockery 
of Christ and of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God. What, a, what an abomination, what blasphemy, what punishment these devils must be undergoing for all eternity. I can't even imagine what the punishment in hell is like right now as I speak and in the lake of fire. I can't even fathom it. While much of the killing was carried out in public, the torturing to obtain confessions was accomplished in secret rooms, usually in a dungeon within a church, specifically designed for torture. In this picture, they're showing a picture here, we can see a man hanging by ropes, tied behind his back, while an Inquisition official was preparing to torture a prisoner through the use of a hot tong that he would shove up the man's toenails. In the middle, a prisoner on, the, on a stretcher that is being pulled by ropes and pulleys into a vertical hanging position, in which he would remain for hours, and vulnerable to all sorts of tortures through violence done to the ears, eyes, nose, and mouth. From this position as well as the hanging position in the upper left, a person's joints could easily be pulled out of joint producing excruciating pain. All of this done in the name and they said in the name of Jesus. I, I, I am I, I'm angry. I'll be, I'm angry as I read this. The Bible says be ye angry and sin not. It's called righteous indignation. And, it, and, and God has shown that attribute many, many times. doesn't mean I think I'm God. But how could you as a Christian read this and not be angry of what this horrific cult has done and yet they're still in existence and yet they still put on the veneer that they're, that they're the head of the Christian movement. In fact, so many people I hear will say, oh, you know, the Christians are, are, are this and that. And they're, and they're obvious, an obvious reference to the Catholic Church. But they... I just, I, I almost get beside myself when I start reading this stuff. I get so angry. This is stuff we should be praying about. This is stuff that we should be praying God expose. That God just would destroy the wicked works of evil. That they would not have, that this, that this ungodly institution would not have dominion over men. Would not have the ability to brainwash and destroy people's lives. Ultimately committing them to hell. Because not only have they tortured and slaughtered all these people, how many people are they responsible for going to hell, which is far greater death toll than, than we just listed? Far greater. Billions. Billions and billions of people are in hell today, primarily because of the delusion and the deception of the Roman Catholic Church in their dogma. Billions. Since Jesus Christ came, it has been the chief tool under the guise of Christianity to take people to hell. I'm not saying Hinduism and Buddhism don't do the same thing. But I'm talking under the guise of Christianity, which is under this false veneer they put themselves under. This goes on to say, as, as we stated earlier, accusation of a crime equals being guilty. No, con no condemned person ever won their case, ever. There was a kangaroo court. It was already decided. There was no justice. It was just this veneer of justice. Even that was a lie. No condemned person ever won their case, ever beat the charge and walked free. You could see this poor accused man before the priest, and this is another picture. You could see this poor accused man before the priest conducting the show, conducting the show trial. Meaning it was, a, it was a trial just for show. The crucifix to which the friar is pointing to is hanging to the right of the accused. Now again, the crucifix always depicts Jesus Christ on the cross, because that's where the Catholics want to keep him, on the cross to continually re-crucify re him. The crucifix, 
and then this friar guy is pointing to this crucifix. As these men thought their torturous activities were really serving and advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what they said. I think this is why Jesus got so incredibly angry at the Pharisees and the Sadducees because false religion is the most abominable especially when it's done under the guise of being the right way it's the most I can't imagine a larger stench in God's gospel than, than, than what we're with I remember when I, I went to a Catholic high, this is before I was saved in high school I went to a Catholic high school and there was these twin priest guys called the Beatty Brothers and one of them was principal of the school and they were some strange dudes. I'll just say that about them. Okay? And I remember I got in trouble. Because I, I was always in trouble. I was, you know, I was in trouble. A lot. And I got called down to the principal's office. And I went into this office. And I'm sitting in there. And I remember, you know, Father Beatty. Even though the Bible says, call no man father but your father in heaven. Father Beatty, I'm sitting in front of him. And he's reading me the riot act. And then I remember him pointing... He, I, I, this picture reminded me of this because it shows this 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 demon possessed friar. What does that mean? Are they like fry cooks? Are they adept at, at the art of fry cooking? What, what is that about? Sorry, again, a little humor interjected in there. But this friar is pointing at this at this um, crucifix on the wall. I rem- it brought back memories for me because I can remember sitting in Father Beatty's office and having him point at the point at the cross with Jesus at the crucifix and saying he paid. That's all he kept saying to me. He yes he did pay. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ he did pay my sin debt. Of course you could never get saved there. It wasn't like he was trying to witness to me to lead me to the Lord. All he kept saying is he paid. This big all Catholicism is is this big guilt trip. So you give them more money. You'll confess your 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 sins so they can have this rap sheet on you. You'll you'll basically be subservient to these devils. It, it just it brought back memories for me, and not good ones. Jesus said in John 16.22 that the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. We're coming back to those times. And this is what these, these abominable Catholic priests were doing. They thought they, were, they said they were doing God's service. This prophecy describes the entire Roman Catholic Inquisition perfectly. For 1,200 years, hundreds of thousands of loyal Catholics tortured and slaughtered tens of millions of heretics thinking they were serving their Savior by obeying the cruel dictates of the Pope. They really thought that they were doing God's service. Then Jesus tells us that these men, then Jesus tells us why these men could do such terrible things to the believers in the name of God. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Because see, these guys aren't saved. They, 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 don't, they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know the Father. They're separated from that. They don't know the Father. They have a form of godliness, but they didn't deny the power thereof. It's all fake, false, pseudo-religion. All it's going to do is get them to hell. So there you have it, from the lips of the Savior, these poor deluded Catholics carried out these horrible tortures in full view of the crucifix because they, nor the bishops, cardinals, and popes, knew Jesus Christ. Simple as that. They were... 
I mean, the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. And that's really in reference to false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. By their fruits you shall know them. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these mighty works? Haven't we prophesied and, and cast out devils and done all these? And, and Jesus Christ will say to them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. That is who he's talking about here, primarily. Well, didn't, didn't we kill all these people in your name? I can just hear them now. Jesus is going to be... Show me this in the Word of God. Where, where, because the Word is what's going to judge us. Where in my Word did I ever tell you to go around and kill? Well, we went back to the Old Testament and, and maybe we, we found that, you, you know, we went into Jericho and killed, slaughtered every man, woman, and beast. That was a specific commandment to the Old Testament Jews that were under a different... Um, they were under specific commands of God to do that specific thing. There were giants in the lands in those days. And it was a totally different thing that they were dealing with. There's no, there's no biblical justification for doing what they're doing. Especially if you go by the commandments of Jesus Christ. In this next picture we're looking at, I'm looking at here, we, I'm looking at a common form of torture. This poor man has been bound with a tight cord around his neck and his waist, which are fastened to a small board resembling a door. Then the man's feet have been placed in stocks with the soles of his feet facing a very hot bowl of burning charcoal. The doomed man is going to be tortured with fire to his feet while his neck is going to be increasingly constricted by the band attached to the door. The terrified expression on his face tells the full story, don't you think? Remember in witchcraft, great, greater occultic power flows to the perpetuators of the satanic sacrifice if the victim suffers horribly. Thus, a witch sacrificing the victim will go to great lengths to visit maximum pain to the victim as the victim is slowly dying from torture. Uh, all this hatred and all this plain torture makes a great deal of sense once you understand the principle of witchcraft. See, the, G the Bible says in Daniel that the Antichrist will cause craft to prosper. Who is the biggest institution that has emanated and perpetuated witchcraft under the veneer of Christianity since Jesus came. Well, the Catholic Church, obviously. They're adept at witchcraft. Totally adept. Well, the Antichrist is going to cause craft to prosper. Hmm. Well, what better institution to use than the Catholic Church, which is basically going to become the universal church, which is what they believe they are anyway, and all these other religious denominations are either going to have to come underneath her umbrella. Now, I'm not saying the Catholic Church isn't going to compromise its, its doctrine a little bit. They're, they're, going to, they're going to accept all this stuff. They're going to accept Buddhism and Hinduism. And they're going to incorporate it into all one big mishmash of the Catholic Church. I'm not going to say they're, they're not going to compromise some there. But you're going to have to go underneath the umbrella of the Catholic Church in order for you to be spared much of what we're talking about today, most likely. Now, is this going to happen next week? No, I'm not saying it's going to happen next week. But I'm saying it's already happened once. There's nothing new under the sun. Doesn't the Bible say that? There's a time and a season for everything. We're coming back to this. Unless this wicked organization is wiped off the planet, we're coming back to this. And I don't think they're going to be wiped off the planet. I don't see any evidence of that. 
as the Inquisition ruled along, other demonic spirits through the church and the people carried carrying out the Inquisition. This spirit was a this was a spirit of absolute diabolical hatred of mankind, accompanied by a corresponding love of torture. If you look closely. Now, in this picture, we're describing here, if you look closely at this picture, you'll see a plate glass window of wealthy people sitting on the other side, looking looking through this plate glass window at this poor man being tortured, as if they were watching some kind of opera. Women, women as well as men, were watching this poor man die slowly as he was rotated on a very, very sharp point. The man is suspended with many ropes so that he is rotated on an exceedingly sharp point sticking into his anus. The pain was incalculable and quickly unbearable. We have other pictures of women being suspended on the same type of sharp point which is inserted into their genitalia. Okay, now again, you could say I shouldn't be getting into this. Well, should this truth be hidden? This is what they did for fun. This is what the Catholic Church considered a fun day. How, how could you be so sick? Why would you want to do this to somebody? When I was unsaved, I wouldn't want to do this to somebody. I can't imagine. You have got to be so demonically possessed of the toenails to actually take pleasure in doing something like this. In the Inquisition, pain was inflicted on sexual... Pain inflicted on sexual organs was prevalent. Another clear sign of the sexual obsession brought on by the perversions of celibacy. Oh, here's another institution in the Catholic Church. Our priests can't have wives. They have to be celibate. Oh, I wonder if that's why, which is, which is totally an unnatural thing. Jesus Christ never commanded it, ever. He did say to those... There was, there was a gifting given to some people, basically, that said, you know, if, if, if you... Um, if you've been given the gift of, of, of celibacy or of not being married, that's fine. Okay? But that is not something that most people operate in. Okay? The Catholic Church commands it to all their priests. So it's unnatural. It's against nature. It's against the way God intended a man to be with a woman. Well, it's going to bear evil fruit. You already have a totally demonically infested institution with one more demonically... Um, infested commandment of celibacy. This type of sexual perversion has occurred in every mystery religion in all of history. Babylonian satanic mysteries, Egyptian mysteries, Greek mysteries, mysteries of imperial Rome. Celibate Catholic priests were just the latest to feel the scourge of sexual perversion brought on by celibacy. Women had a special fear of the Inquisition. If a woman was accused of being a witch, she was in for a very special torture from the sex-starved clergy. As you will discover when you read, quote, the Malleus Malficarium, quote, end of quote, women were specially targeted for persecutions as potential or suspected witches. If a woman was merely thrown off a high place, as we see here, and I'm just showing this picture, this woman just being thrown off this high thing, she could count herself as very fortunate to die a quick and relatively painless death. Well, I guess it depends if you if you lived after you landed. Um, as we shall demonstrate, the demonic spirit of sexual obsession and the deviant lust blew through the entire Inquisition after the introduction of the, quote, malleus malficarium, 
can't even say it. Pope Innocent III issued a papal bull on December 5th, 1484, that established this document as the standard by which the Inquisition was to be conducted. Celibacy had been in existence at this point for 361 years, enough time for the priest to become truly sexually deviant. The sexual obsession quickly grew to the point where a woman lived in fear that one day out of the blue she would be accused by some nameless wretch of being a witch. Since accusation equated guilt, that woman could expect a slow, torturous death at the hands of the sexual deviant celibate priests. Isn't all this holy? It, this is so contradictory to the word of God, and yet they call themselves the one true church. Maybe the one true church of Lucifer. In this particular picture, you see a woman, this is a picture they're showing, a woman being accused of a witch, stripped naked and forced to crawl in front of a leering crowd to a crate where she will be placed and hung up off the ground for all to see. The Catholic priests believe that a witch lost her powers when she was suspended off the ground. What, what a bunch of superstitious nonsense. Therefore, when the soldiers of the Inquisition arrested a woman accused of being a witch, they would pull her physically off the ground, carry her to the dungeon for confinement, this drawing captures the essence of the ridiculous belief. One of the most heinous of all torture devices used... I remember I, I remember one time I saw a movie where they did this, and I didn't really know what it was. Uh, but they did even describe it in the movie. One of the most heinous of all torture devices against women in the Inquisition were the witch prickers. Pictured here. They're these little dagger things. As you can see, these are really knives. This malleus malfactorum declared that witches, this, this Catholic document, declared that witches, all witches have a devil's mark somewhere in their body. This requiring the priestly investigator to indulge himself in carrying out a full body close scrutiny by stripping the poor woman totally naked and giving her a close inspection. The inspection was often carried out amidst a crowd of men who were merely acting as voyeurs meaning like sexual perverts, kind of like watching in on things, but ostensibly forced to witness this inspection because of their religious duty. Oh, their hands were tied. They couldn't help it. To increase the number of stab wounds, the subtle notion was concocted that the devil's mark left a spot that was insensible to pain, only discernible by, the, by an inspector probing with a sharp prick one of these knives. Thus was raised a whole guild of witch prickers, they called themselves witch prickers, paid only when they discovered a witch, which in turn led to a foolproof system of using an auxiliary, auxiliary retractable prick. The official pricker, having, pain, having painfully and visibly drawn blood from several spots on a naked victim, would, would then, what he would do is, is, here's what they believed in a nutshell, that Every witch had this thing called a devil's mark. And the devil's mark was insensible to pain. So they took these witch prickers and they and they were they would just jab the woman all over. And obviously the woman would arrive in pain every time they were doing this. And they believed there was some spot on them that and it was normally like a freckle or a mole or something of that nature where they would be insensitive to pain and they would put this this pricker in and it wouldn't hurt them. That was that was all the proof they needed to prove, to prove she was a witch during the Inquisition. And then she could have anything in the world done to her. 
This was the kind of, of, of unbelievable, abominable actions that were going on by the Catholic Church on a daily basis. But they had a special pricker. It's called an auxiliary retractable pricker. And what it was is they would, they, would, they would inflict all this pain on the woman. And at the end, they would take the special one and they would plunge it into the woman and it would look like they would put it all the way into the hilt. Like they had plunged the whole thing into her. But what had happened is, is the blade had retracted all the way into the handle. All the crowd would go, ooh and ah, we found the witch. Because when he would put it into her, she wouldn't react because it didn't go into her skin. Sounds like some type, type of sick magic show to me. And all the crowd would be astounded. And then the witch pricker would not only get all this gratification of doing this, and his sadistic whatever he got from this, but he'd also get paid. He'd get paid by the Catholic Church for finding another witch. In other words, this retractable knife would not penetrate the skin when it was force, forcefully thrust into the woman, but would retract into the handle as it was designed to do so. But the crowd would not know this, and would believe that the reason the woman did not scream and did not pour forth blood, even though she had just been stabbed, was because she was a witch. I mean, it would be really impressive. I mean, you got this thing, it's, it's all the way into the hilt, you pull it out, there's no blood, and she didn't react. She is a witch. There was a depraved compulsion described by Wilhelm Reich as the emotional plague whereby a pox of sexually malfunctioning armored individuals unable to enjoy the pleasure of natural lovemaking because they are all celibate set about relieving their pent-up sexuality through ripping, tearing, and burning the very flesh that they could never kiss, caress, nor inflame with pleasure. Now, I don't know how true that is because we see a lot of depictions of these Catholic priests actually having sex with these women and then threatening them. But maybe the good ones didn't do that. Maybe the ones that were really staying true to their celibacy couldn't do that. So they had all these pent-up sexual deviant frustrations that they had to get out some way. Thus celibacy, the doctrine that demons teach, invaded and took over a huge part of the Holy Inquisition. Satan found it easy to invade the Catholic Church, this, this, and this mightily, for he had been moving them into the practice of witchcraft ever since 1321 A.D., when Constantine asserted his rule over the church. By the time this period of the Inquisition began, the church had been separated from the true vine of Jesus for about 800 years. Well, Catholicism never had nothing to do with the true, true church of Jesus Christ anyway. Therefore, the standing timber was very dry, susceptible to the fires of hell that Satan blew using the Inquisition. A black magic practitioner will tell you that the demonic spirit from the sexual demon Lars has his demonic host virtually took over the Inquisition with their sexual lust and obsessions. And now you're like, oh, now you really get off and left field. You're naming demons and doing stuff. Hey, these guys have names. Satan has a name. And there's a hierarchy of devils and demons in that Satan rules over. Okay? That's all we're talking about here. This particular one is called Lars. He took over the Inquisition with their sexual lusts and obsessions. A takeover made extremely easy by the imposition of celibacy. See, there are certain things we do as humans when we open doors for these things to happen. Celibacy is one of them. Priests became murderers, rapists, and sexual voyeurs. As many as 75 million...
paid the ultimate price while many millions more were intimidated, tortured, and forced into having sex by a priest wielding this terrible weapon at a woman who he was just trying to get into bed. So there you have just a partial history of the fruit of the Catholic Church. And um, we're going to go ahead and go to part two now. And um, may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.